This is a production of Cornell University. Hello and welcome to the Cornell Turfgrass Shortcut Podcast, your weekly connection to turfgrass information, brought to you by Cornell University's Turfgrass Program in partnership with the New York State Turfgrass Association. My name is Frank Rossi. I'm the Associate Professor of Turfgrass Science here in the Department of Horticulture at Cornell University. And the following are observations and recommendations for the week of November 29th, 2010. And this will be our year-end summary. Well, it's a year to reflect on and learn from. There's little question that the 2010 growing season will be remembered as among the most stressful for turf in several decades. This final issue of Shortcut is dedicated to trying to summarize what we learned and provide the latest research results that might help plan for the 2011 season. Summaries from Rich Buckley at Rutgers about pest problems, my own summary of the season, and our annual research review may serve as a resource through the winter. Due to extremely low registration, the Cornell Turfgrass Short Courses have been canceled for December 2010. Look for the Cornell Turfgrass team at the educational events this winter. A review of the season's weather. From temperature perspective, March through April was 6 above normal, May through July 4 above normal, July through August 3 above normal. It was the warmest March to May in New England's history, New York, and New Jersey's history, and the second warmest season in the history of weatherkeeping in Pennsylvania over 116 years. Degree day accumulations like temperatures were at record levels this season. A simple way to think about the effect of this issue is to imagine where you grew grass this season to be about two to 300 miles of south of where you are. For example, the New York metro area was similar to the Baltimore, D.C. area, and upstate New York more like downstate. Precipitation this season was dry early at less than 70% of normal and then a spotty summer of rainfall. New Jersey had its 12th driest season and upstate New York, the 20th wettest season on record. And a look ahead to this winter. Not much to report as we expect a classic La Nina weather pattern this winter, created by a cooler-than-normal Central Pacific Ocean. Expect a normal winter with average precip and average temperatures. And my year in review. The 2010 growing season started quick and never looked back. In spite of the very late frost in mid-May, the heat persisted to leave us with the warmest season on record for most of the Northeast. The high temperatures combined with long periods of dry weather challenged irrigation systems and exposed many weaknesses. If there is one lesson to be learned from 2010, it is to get your irrigation system audited by a certified professional. This is clearly an area we can improve our control over in the face of changing environmental conditions. You can learn more about this at the Irrigation Association website at www.irrigation.org. Different grasses. The moisture stress on unirrigated turf areas were left ravaged, and it is estimated that downstate about 40% landscape turf did not recover when the fall rains arrived. Some of this is related to our selection of turf species, notably elite-type Kentucky bluegrass and perennial ryegrass, that may no longer be the right choice for our landscape areas. We discussed the increased use of both the turf-type tall fescues and the fine-leaf fescues to tolerate more extreme conditions and to reduce overall maintenance requirements. Additionally, while alternative species may not provide the same perfect look as traditional species, they will not be as dependent on intense maintenance that is more, growing more and more difficult to provide. Simply with the changing climate, we need to have species and varieties more forgiving of the extreme conditions, as well as our inability to meet high maintenance requirements. In an effort to learn more about this issue, I encourage you to find and review a copy of Doug Breeze Turfgrass Maintenance Reduction Handbook, published in the year 2000, and available at most online bookstores.
Pest pressure. Beyond the environmental stress, there was intense pest pressure from the usual suspects and some long-forgotten issues that reared their ugly head again. The usual suspects of crabgrass in the landscape and annual bluegrass weevil on golf courses were joined by the root-infecting summer patch. Start out with crabgrass. The environmental stress of intense warmth and sporadic rainfall creates an ideal situation for summer annual weed for several, we for several reasons. First, pre-emergent herbicides applied at normal timing likely degraded before full germination occurred. It might be worthwhile to investigate split applications of products or consider a delayed final application with a pre-post product such as dithiopia. Second, the warm, moist conditions were ideal for germination, and once up, crabgra crabgrass will require little moisture to develop. Finally, the high heat and moisture stress weaken existing turf and created voids that crabgrass could easily exploit. Again, as mentioned earlier, it might be time to consider alternative turf species such as tall fescues that will tolerate the environmental stress. Of all the pests we face, the annual bluegrass weevil presents a unique challenge as our understanding of the ecology and biology of its behavior is still developing. This organism is extremely responsive to the growing degree day accumulation as was evidenced by the rapid development of the first generation and then subsequent overlapping of multiple generations. It appears as though the first and second generations resulted in the most significant damage, however, it became hard to decipher from subsequent problems as they coincided with additional pest pressure from diseases and general environmental stress. All this made for a challenge to determine insecticide time. Furthermore, with the general failure of acelerin from last season, many were still trying to determine efficacy of Provant, Dilox, Conserve, and the myriad of pyrethroids. Finally, the increasing number of courses with pyrethroid resistance may render this class of compounds ineffective. So what have we learned? In the end, the best way we can say is we can... We need to continue to monitor and choose wisely for timing and product to avoid injury and reduce the chance of developing resistant populations. Summer pads. Sometimes the things we worry about the least cause us the biggest problem. This would summarize the issues associated with the epidemic levels of summer pads we observed in turf areas from golf courses and lawns to sports fields. The story begins last season with the cool wet weather from 2009 that likely led to significant increases in the population of annual bluegrass on lawns sports fields, and golf courses. Ideal conditions in the spring 2010 led to optimum infection as many areas had adequate moisture and an abundant supply of annual bluegrass. The typical early season fungicide drench seems to have been implemented in some cases at reduced rates or non-optimum timing. Additionally, many have moved away from the acidifying fertilizer programs recommended in the mid-1990s to reduce surface soil pH that makes the soil environment less conducive for the summer patch organisms. This simple change in fertilizer programs could have reduced most infestations by as much as 40%. Once the symptomatic turf was visible, the additional environmental stress further weakened the turf with compromised root systems. Most curative fungicide applications made when temperatures were in excess of 80 degrees Fahrenheit were likely wasted, as the organism is no longer growing and has already done its damage. So for next year, be sure to use full rates for this fungicide dredge. In the spring, when soil temp is 60 degrees Fahrenheit at 2 inch depth for 4 days and rediscover the Rutgers research from the mid-1990s on acidifying fertilizers such as ammonium sulfate as a means for reducing summer patch infestation. And finally, water. The summary of the season for fine turf would not be complete without fully addressing the issues with irrigation. In general, turf managers in the Northeast are among the least skilled at efficient irrigation as we often can rely on the 30 plus inches of precip. However, it will likely come in more intense storm space more widely apart, leaving us totally reliant on irrigation to maintain fine turf. 
The challenge then is how do we deliver water to the turf without creating more problems when our irrigation systems have inherent inefficiencies from as little as 20 to as much as 60%. The distribution uniformity of our best systems could be as high as 80%, and in this case, only about 20% of the turf is either over or under water. Most systems installed five to seven years ago likely have DUs in the 60 to 70% range, and systems older than that may have as low as 40%. This means that a significant amount of our turf is not properly watered. Again, in most years, this does not present a challenge as we often water to the low end or slightly underwater, and then rainfall covers for us. This season, we had to overwater to get the typical underwatered areas to adequate moisture and thereby significantly overwater a good portion of our turf. When you consider golf putting greens and regular overwatering, now you begin to realize, even in a subtle way, how we may have been making minor problems worse without knowing. Now, many will say they are good water managers, but how many can say they have had an irrigation audit done in the last three years? We may not be able to solve these irrigation issues due to reduced capital budgets, but at least we will know where our problems lie and how we might adjust our practices to reduce the problem in the future. And then in the end, the off-season. Like almost all aspects of life, there seems to be a little off-season anymore. However, it is essential for personal and professional reasons to step back and with an open mind reflect on our experiences this year. It is critical to approach the off-season with an open mind and seek answers and practices, not necessarily in products. The best events we have against the challenges we face is information and be open to it. And again, a final note on the Cornell Turfgrass short course being canceled for this, for this year. There will be no Cornell Turfgrass short course in December of 2010. Thank you for joining me for the weekly installment and our annual installments of the Cornell Turfgrass Shortcut Podcast, your weekly connection to turfgrass information. I'm Frank Rossi, Associate Professor of Turf Science in the Department of Horticulture at Cornell University, and I hope you have a wonderful off-season, and we'll look forward to another year in 2011. This has been a production of Cornell University, on the web at cornell.edu.